This is Looking for Christ, a podcast that seeks to deepen faith as we look for Christ in all of Scripture. My name is Zach, and I'm here with my good friend, Oren. And today we're going to be in Galatians chapter 6. And here we go. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you be, t- unless you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. One who is taught the word must share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who, who, who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are in the household of faith. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised... Uh, that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them, and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, For I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. All right. So here we are, the last uh, chapter of Galatians. Paul is tying together a number of thoughts that he has already um, set forth in the previous chapters. Um, Some of these things we look at here carry over from chapter 5 directly. Uh, the sowing and reaping have to do with, with fruit uh, being born in your life, either of the flesh or of the spirit. Um, but he begins this chapter with a little bit of help for the church or, or ways in which the church can help each other. And that is to to restore someone who is caught in sin or trespass. And I, I my... Um, my interpretation here is that Paul is going back into chapter 5. He's addressing those uh, fleshly sins that people may be bearing in their lives. And what he's saying is the first course of action for the church is to try to restore that person, to be gentle with them, to help them understand why their sinful behavior brings dishonor to God and to the church, and to restore them if at all possible, um, but also to be careful that those who are doing the restoring um, are not also arrogant and proud in themselves. Because the temptation that people fall into um, in, or fall into sin is powerful 
like really working against all people. And so it's easy to become very proud in self and assuming you have a lot to offer someone else to help them out of their sin when you're guilty of the same thing. So he gives them this warning not to be um, or not to be thinking of themselves more than they ought to. Uh, if you think you're something when you're nothing, you deceive yourself, he says. So the, the, the approach here in helping one another bear our burdens is we have to be humble um, in in our approach to no, to um, to this process of restoration, knowing that we are just as prone to sin as as those we're trying to help, and also to be very honest with ourselves um, about who we really are and our need for for God's grace to be working in us. Um, we don't have any reason for boasting in someone else's life. Well, the only boasting we really have is in our own and that only the, and that boasting is only because of the work that Christ is doing in us. And so that's that's sort of the encouragement here for the church to to not write off people immediately, but also not to let sin sort of linger and not be dealt with in the church if these things are ongoing. Um, but then Paul makes this shift to encourage the church to share good things with the one who teaches them. Now, I believe this is a text that refers to churches sort of um, um, using their resources to take care of their pastors, if you will, those who are responsible for teaching them and helping them grow spiritually or to be blessed with physical means. Um, and so that's an encouragement to the to, to the church there to take care of their teachers, but also not to allow themselves to be deceived that God, you can't mock God when it comes to um, a sowing seeds and reaping, expecting sinful things to become righteous things when you harvest them. Um, God knows all, sees all, and we cannot hide what we do from him. So the, the encouragement here is if you are sowing good things in your life, you're going to reap or harvest good things. If you sow evil things, selfishness, wickedness, don't be deceived. God's going to God's gonna um, prove that out in, in your life one day. And what you will reap, what you will harvest is evil. You will reap destruction. Um, in actual fact, he says you will reap, reap corruption if you, reap, if you sow in the flesh. If you sow in the spirit, you reap eternal life. And so there's a very clear line drawn here where God is, where, where Paul is telling the church, be very careful about, about, about how you live your life and what kind of seeds you're planting in your life. What kind of fruit do you want to bear? And don't lose heart. Um, the good that we're called to do is a good that has a cumulative effect over time. The more we do, the longer we do it, the better it is for our lives and for others. So don't grow weary in doing good because God is faithful to those who obey him. And I love this this last paragraph. I What I think is happening here is Paul has been dictating the letter. And when he gets to verse 11, he takes the, the quill out of his the dictator's hand out of the scribe's hand and goes, give me that, give me that pen, man. And Paul sits down at the table <laughs> and just starts writing out this last bit. Look at the letters that I'm using, the big letters I'm writing with. This is personal for Paul. I mean, if you can't tell throughout this letter, this is very personal for him. He invested his life in sharing the gospel with the Galatians the first time he was there. He even says that they would have given their own eyes to him had it given him sight, meaning that they would have given parts of their own bodies if it meant his healing. They loved him that much. And now they're turning on him because, because he still teaches the gospel and they're starting to believe this, this false gospel. So Paul takes the, the quill, starts writing in his own handwriting, listen, Galatians, I love you. This is personal for me. Those false teachers 
they're so afraid of being persecuted for the sake of Christ that they want you to be circumcised so they can claim you on their tab of, of new followers. Want, they want to boast in themselves by boasting in your circumcision. Whereas, I'm only interested in your transformation. I'm interested in you boasting in the cross. That's what Paul says. May, may, but may it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing for me to boast about except in the cross of Christ. Whereas the Judaizers would have been boasting in their, their converts. You know, the, the tab that they were taking who were following them. And so at the very end, Paul tells them to walk by the rule of faith that brings peace. And then he says, don't bother with me this anymore. He kind of just throws down the pen now. He's just, he's just like, don't trouble me about this. Because of all the people in this conversation, me, you Galatians, and the Judaizers, I'm the only one that bears the, the flogging marks on my back. I, mm. I bear the scars of the gospel and the work of the gospel on my body. So if you want to talk about who to listen to, is it me or the Judaizers? Which one of us have, have suffered for the message? Me or the false teachers? And he, he kind of makes it clear at that point. He probably could have said this at the very beginning, and the letter would have been like three verses. <laughs> but, but, he, um, <laughs> but he writes this whole argument, this whole defense for the gospel. At the very end, he's like, all right, whose life bears out commitment to this message? Me or the mm. Judaizers? It's pretty clear it's me. And so he says, grace to you um, and Lord, the, the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit at the very end. Amen. And so you, ha you have this summary of his letter and you see his passionate kind of personal stamp on it at the very end, showing his, his love for the Galatians, but also the fact that he's not willing to waver on the truth of the gospel. Yeah. And I, I like to think that Paul just has atrocious handwriting, too. So when he takes yeah. it over, it's, like, so apparent, and they can barely read it. Absolutely. There's a guy at work. There's a guy at work that, like, uh, you, you, it's chicken scratch. You can't tell. And so, like, I just <laughs> I think it's hilarious that yep. it's like, look at these big letters, these big, awful yeah. letters I'm writing in. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but, man, I think that first, going back to the first verse, is such a comforting line. Brothers... That term of endearment. If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Uh, like that's just such a remarkable um, verse. And what's crazy is, and I don't know that this is necessarily in view, but any transgression is so encompassing. And we talked about last week those those works of the flesh being those that were. Uh, drawn out by the Judaizers. And like, he, it's almost like he was telling, like, look, make this comparison for yourself, these works of the flesh. And so when I come to 6 1, he's had some really harsh words for the Judaizers. But I wonder if Paul has in view here, and I'm, I'd be curious to get your thoughts. Um, do you think what's in view here is the Judaizers themselves, is to restore them in a spirit, in a, um, with a spirit of gentleness? Or do you think I he's talking about in general? I think I don't think he considers them brothers. I think okay. he considers the Galatians brothers. So he begins the verse one, brethren. I think he's talking to the Galatian church. He um, no, no oh, so maybe more, those that maybe those that were like taken in by what the Judaizers said yeah. Yeah, to like there, restore to restore these. I don't think there's any evidence in the letter 
that they had adopted all the Judaizers' teachings just yet, but they mm-hmm. were deeply considering it. And so I think the point of the letter was to kind of head it off a little bit, to kind of cut it off before it got too far, because Paul understands that the Judaizers' teaching had a draw to it, because it puts a lot of rules and structures, and circumcision, if we're just going to be honest, is a physical mark that they could use to prove that they're Christians. No, 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 I'm circumcised, so I'm a believer, I'm of Abraham, and that's Paul says that's just not the gospel. You're wasting your time. If you want to get circumcised, fine, but that that, that doesn't make you a believer. So I think he's addressing the church, which the Judaizers would not have considered themselves a part of, except for those those Christians that would have followed them in their circumcision and dietary laws and things like that. So it's almost like, all right, let's kick out the Judaizers, but don't kick out the ones that may have been uh, partly persuaded. Let's restore them in the faith with a spirit of gentleness. Yeah, Yeah, that's a lot more consistent with the theme of the letter. He still considers them family. They're, they, they're not apostate. Yeah. They haven't gone astray. He's trying to head, head it off before they end up off the cliff. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. And keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. So it's almost like he's kind of uh, guarding just how gentle they are. He, it's almost like, you know, there's that saying, uh, don't be so open-minded that your brain falls out or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Paul's... Paul's essentially saying, like, don't be so gentle that you yourselves get uh, swept in by this false teaching. Right. Have, or, you know, be, have some firmness, gentle yeah. yet firm. Or to be tempted to think more of yourself than you ought to, right? Oh, like, it's yeah. easy to look at them and go, oh, you sinners, you're not, you're oh, not, you, yeah. you don't believe the true gospel like us. And so now what happens is you, you, you drive into the ditch on the other side of the road, right? You go from from Jew, a Jewish legalist to now a Christian legalist, where you mm. claim grace and you look down your nose at these, these dirty sinners, right? And so Paul's like, be yeah. careful that you don't end up basically in the same camp but with a different or a, a different label but basically the same the same result or destination yeah yeah i think keller said something along the lines of are you pharisaical about not being a pharisee uh, um yeah luther had some interesting quotes he he quotes uh augustine uh, saying there is no sin which one person has committed that another person may not commit it also And then Luther himself says this, this man fell into sin. I may fall into worse sin. If those who are always so eager to condemn others would investigate themselves, they would find that the sins of others are motes in comparison to their own. I have no idea what a moat is, but I'm imagining it's something small. (laughs) That's good. Um, That's good. Yeah. And then the, the next line, verse two you know, I'm, I'm, we talked about earlier, I'm teaching through James right now. And, you know, I'm, I'm this next, this upcoming Sunday, I'll be teaching on like the infamous passage where a lot of people or some, not a lot of people, some people pit James against Paul. Um, but really I see a continuity here between James and Paul in verse two, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I feel like that's almost a great summary of what James is saying in that second chapter of his letter is to bear one another's burdens. Cause he's talking about the rich and the poor. Um, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So I think that's, I'm actually, I may even use that as a summary to, uh, like a condensed version of the whole passage of chapter two, verses 14 through 26 in James. Well, um, and the, the law of Christ is love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. So, 
very, very simply, the principle is, what would you want your Christian brothers to do for you if you were caught in sin? To beat you with rods or to restore you in gentleness, right? Mm. Now, there is a point, and Matthew 18 is clear, if there is unrepentance, a refusal to repent, there are measures we take to purify the church. But the, the idea here is that you start with grace, you start with restoration and gentleness, and work your way up to heart, more harsh measures if, if, if necessary. Yeah. Um, and it, it kind of goes with what you talked about in the last episode with the fruits of the Spirit being outward, and they help our neighbor. Uh, and then you have here talking about the law of Christ being love for neighbor. I'm reminded of a quote that's attributed to Luther where God doesn't need our good works, but our neighbor does. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, I find it interesting. Um, verse six, I really see, I think you kind of, it was almost like you saw verse six being a standalone thing. And then seven through ten being uh, addressing maybe something different. No, no, no. But I wonder I would, if I would say they're all connected. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that, yeah that's kind of yeah. how I see it too. Yeah. Is is good? Good churches take care of their pastor. Is essentially what he's saying about verse six. One who is taught the word must share all good things with the one who teaches. And in a letter like this, how important is it for the Galatians to have a good teacher who knows the word? which I think is really what we're seven through 10 are kind of derived from. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows that will he also reap. And like the emphasis Paul is putting on taking care of the people who teach us God's word. God is not mocked. Um, that's a pretty stark statement. Yeah. And I think um, the, the expectation of the false teachers would have been that the church take care of them as well. So yeah, Paul says the one who was taught the word, the, the, the correct word, the true word, the gospel, the spiritual word that's from God, take care of them or you'll end up taking care of someone that's going to lead you astray. So what you sow is what you reap. If you reap good investment in your own spiritual lives, you're going to reap a good harvest. I think, I think that's what he's getting at there. Yeah. And... Uh, the next thing that really drew my attention was verse 14, but far be it for me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, in your studies or in your sermon, was there anything that like the, the particular meaning of the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ that stood out to you? Um, in first Corinthians, Paul talks about coming to the church in weakness, not with lofty speech. He preached Christ and him crucified. So Paul's message was always kind of, it's about the cross of Christ, it's the gospel. It's what Jesus died for. Christ died to make us holy, to, to give us the spirit so we can do good works for our neighbor. Like there's a purpose for the cross. So everything we talk about in the church has its root is grounding in the cross of Christ. So Paul is saying, if there's anything for me to boast about, it's the cross. Whereas the Judaizers would be boasting in what they did to bring you into their fold. They want to boast in your circumcision. So again, they can take credit for that. Paul says, I don't want credit for anything. I want to boast in what Jesus did, what he has done and what he is doing. Right. And so I think that's the contrast here. I don't want to boast in anything I've done except in what Christ has done through me for your sake, Galatians. 
Yeah, so it's, a, it's less about the two beams on which Christ was nailed to, and it's more about his sufferings. It's more about, um, because in his sufferings, yeah, in his sufferings, like Peter says, by his wounds you, you were healed. And so Paul is so identifying, he's boasting in the wounds of Christ, the sufferings of Christ, because in those, that's in which we're healed. That's where the gospel lies, in, in the suffering of Jesus. Um, and so we're not boasting in anything else but what Christ has done for us. Um, right. Yeah. And, and I would say, I would say too, um, I recall the passage in Isaiah where the valleys are made, are, are, are raised up and the mountains are made low as a reference to the level ground at the cross mm. where, and Paul even says it in Galatians, male nor female, slave nor free, Jew nor Greek, Right. Those 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 categories matter, but when it comes to salvation, that none of those things give you an advantage or disadvantage, right? So what Paul is saying is the ground at the cross is level for all to come. No one has an advantage over someone else, right? And so I preach the cross, Christ crucified. That's the only hope for any of us. Because if you take a different approach, now you're adding ladders or ladders or rungs to a ladder that we all have to climb in order to get where we think we should be, where Jesus calls us and says, it's right here, come to me as you are and I'll save you, right? Um, you know, we, 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 you and I have talked about the man on the middle cross analogy that uh, Alistair Begg gives, you know, where the thief goes to heaven and Peter asks him, why are you here? He says, the man on the middle cross said I could come. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what Paul's getting at here. I believe. He's saying, Galatians, your only hope is the, is Jesus and what he accomplished for you, not what you do in your flesh. Yeah. Because even that, like the, the very next verse, Paul says, for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. It's like, wait a second. You just railed against these people about circumcision. What are you talking about, Paul? This whole... This whole book is about it, you know, not being circumcised. Don't get circumcised. If you, I wish they'd be circumcised, circumcised themselves or something like that. They cut themselves. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. yeah. That's exactly right. And I think it goes really well with what you said about the Isaiah passage. The ground is level at the, at the foot of the cross where like circumcision, uncircumcision, it like, that's not what's the deal here. Paul's saying it's Christ. It's, it's rooting our identity in him. Uh, and that cross, those sufferings, what Jesus has done for us, that's what creates the new creation. Um, you know, last week we talked, or the last uh, um, cast, we talked about abiding in Christ, that image of, of Christ being the, the vine and the way in which we bear these fruits that was talked about in the last chapter, the way we fulfill this law of Christ is, is in that abiding, in that identifying with the cross of Christ. That's what we boast in. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know if you recall. Yeah, if you recall, a few weeks ago we talked about how, and I made the argument, not really in defense of the Judaizers, but one of the things we have to consider is when they were sharing the gospel in a uniquely Jewish context, circumcision may have been required to just gain an audience, right? But we're talking about Gentiles here. For the Jews to come in and say you have to be circumcised is adding to the gospel. Right. And so we have to be and this is kind of the the close of the of the message attached to verse 17, where Paul bore the marks of Christ on his back because he tried his very best by the power of the spirit to keep the gospel message pure. 
right? If you read all of his letters, he didn't add anything to faith and faith alone and Christ alone. That was it. To the point at which the religion, the, the Christian religion didn't make any sense to the Gentiles or the Jews. The Jews stumbled over it and the Gentiles called it, called it foolishness. Paul was so committed to that message that he was willing to be beaten and flogged and imprisoned and left for dead. Right? Because he, he was willing to die for that simple message. Just believe in Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Right? And today in our modern church, with all the 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 thirteen le- I mean the 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 thirteen letters of Paul. Well, th- the thirteen letters, but all sixty-six <laughs> books and all everything we have, all the books we have, all the information we have. It would be very easy for us to start adding some 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 ladders or some rungs to a ladder for people to climb. But the message today is the same as it's always been: faith alone in Jesus Christ. That is what saves you. The works come because of that, and so it's clear. In Paul's letter, I believe, and it should be clear in our lives, that that is where we plant our flag. That is what we believe, and that's the message we're going to carry. And and again, if we walk by this rule, Paul says, we'll have peace and mercy upon us. I think that's where the comfort of a Christian a Christian life is found, is in the pure, um, basic message of the gospel, which is, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe, right? Um, so that's that's what I sort of glean, kind of an overall snapshot of chapter 6, but also of the whole letter. Yeah. And that idea of us creating the ladder, I'm reminded of Jacob's ladder. I think it's mentioned in the New Testament where angels are ascending and descending. And so Christ, Christ has... Christ has come down the ladder for us. It's a ladder we can't go up to, but he came down. Uh, he came down, and that's the message of the gospel, that he has Amen. come, and to believe Amen. in him. Amen. All right, that seems like a good place to end. And until next time, Lord, help us to turn our eyes to Jesus.